Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I am your host, Josh Lindsay, from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with me is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hey, Josh Lindsay. Hello. <laughs> and sitting next to Christian is Jason Rugg, our trusted destiny research extraordinaire, button-pushing guy, and uh, virtual reality head-wearing geek. <laughs> what? I just, I, just, I just saw he had a virtual... How long have you had this virtual reality thing? Oh, gosh. Uh, six months, maybe? Man, yeah, you just you don't tell me anything. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Hi, I'm here. <laughs> okay, glad, glad you're here. Otherwise, no one would be hearing this. <laughs> That's true. Okay, so Christian just got back from a screening all the way in Tennessee. Clarksville, Tennessee. Where is Clarksville? Clarksville, Tennessee is um, at the Kentucky-Tennessee border. And so um, half of the Fort Campbell base is in Kentucky and the other half is in Tennessee. And it is an hour and a half-ish west of Nashville. Okay. I've heard of Nashville, so I got an idea where yeah. we are. Okay. So how, tell, tell us about the screen. How did it go? Well, it was a really amazing experience, quite honestly. Um, it was interesting. I didn't quite know what to expect, and it wasn't what exactly what I expected. Um, it was a little different, and I think in some ways better. So um, <laughs> we, uh, I got in there on uh, a Tuesday. And uh, my friend Michelle Perkins, who is also our blog post editor, and and like she's my, I think of her as my Swiss Army knife. Michelle Perkins is like, you know, the Swiss Army knife of film production. She really helps me out with whatever I need, and she's been an indispensable member of our team. So she came with her two kids, and she picked me up at the Nashville airport. We drove, actually, we spent the night in the Opryland Hotel. Have you ever been there? The Gaylord Hotel, the one that has the river in there. And I think when I was a kid, it's huge. It's like uh, you have all these different areas. And so, um, you know, there are pools and waterfalls, and it's just really quite an experience. I highly recommend it. All right. So we stayed there. And then the next morning, we got up and drove to Fort, Na- uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And we went to see sort of the the base. Fort Campbell is the second largest uh, army base in the United States. It's absolutely enormous. I can't even give you the details. It's so huge. Um and Clarksville is the little town there. And in Clarksville, they love their veterans, as you can imagine. And this event is kicked off by Visit Clarksville, which is an online tourist um, organization. And they put on this Welcome Home Veterans Celebration. And the genesis of this is, I don't know if you guys were alive. You might have been. When were you born? 74. Okay. Well, you were alive, but you probably don't remember (laughs) this. Um, When the Vietnam veterans came home, they received no welcome home. Right. And not only did they not receive a welcome home, but they were spat on and yelled at and everything else. Baby killers, they were called and things like that. Yeah. So um, this town has taken it upon themselves to undo that wrong. And so this Welcome Home Veterans Celebration is primarily targeted at Vietnam veterans to say, welcome home. Mm -hmm. We want to give you this big party. And they even do a thing where uh, these veterans land on a hangar. And then they walk in and everybody welcomes home hmm. like they actually had just come That's home. Cool. Wow. So it's wonderful. And But because this event was happening, veterans from all wars began coming oh, okay. to see each other. So there was um, a World War II Pearl Harbor survivor. 
I think he may be the only one left. He's 101. Oh, my goodness. We actually interviewed him. His name is Frank Emond, and there's a video on our page where Frank tells about what he was doing on Pearl Harbor, December 7, 1942. Wow. So he was there, and um, then we had uh, a few World War II veterans uh, who were uh, you know, in the European theater and also in the Pacific theater, they were there. Vietnam veterans there, Iraq veterans, Afghan vet- veterans. So they all kind of come together for this one week. And the Beach Haven Winery is the hub of this Welcome Home Veterans Celebration. And so it's this beautiful winery in Clarksville, Tennessee, where they do make their own wine. And they have huge fields where they grow their venue, uh, gra- grapes. And they kind of take over this field. And they put the traveling Vietnam Wall out there, as well as the traveling Korean War Memorial there. And they do this uh, field of honor where people can buy a flag in honor of their military service member and put it in this field. Um, Usually it's ones that have been killed in action or ones that have passed away. Um, And then vendors um, who sell like or or who do things for veterans like the Wounded Warriors or AARP or Navy Federal Credit Union, they will come and set up there too. And they'll bring gifts for, you know, all of the people that are there. So we came and set up a table and just kind of stayed there with our dress. We have a replica dress now that uh, Jen Berkey made. And so we have our dress and we have some World War II artifacts there and we had giveaways and just people would walk by and want to know what the dress was all about. And we would talk to them about our film and we would have them sit down and watch the Danny Candy trailer, as we call it. And it's basically Danny's first memory. So we introduced a lot of people to Danny, her dress, her memories, Um, we would share our card and a little flyer that invited them to come on Sunday. Hmm. Um, So I did that all day Wednesday, all day Thursday, all day Friday, and all day Saturday. Wow. Pretty much. (laughs) I was exhausted. I'm sure you were. And we did, however, have about $200 in donations that were given just by people walking by. That's cool. So that was super cool. Um, But the thing that I'm most excited about is when we got to the screening on Sunday at the Clarksville Library, I asked everybody, if I met you this weekend and you're here because we talked to you, you know, at the Beach Haven Winery, would you stand up? And 90% of the room stood up. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) And, And it was our biggest screening yet. There were about 70 people there. Um, now, see, that that speaks a lot to just getting out and shaking hands and meeting people and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. Boots on the ground. It, yeah, right. It's one thing to see it on your Facebook scroll. It's another thing to get something in the mail. It's completely different when you meet a human being who invites you to come to... Yeah, clearly. And I think that was one big lesson that I learned this week. You know, independent filmmaking is all about the personal touch. You know, we don't have any big money. We don't have any big anything behind us. Um, And it and it is up to the people involved in the production to move the ball down the field. And, you know, we do that in so many different ways. We do it on social media. We do it with this podcast. We um, are constantly trying to have events to invite people to, to interface with people. Um, And that was the clearest evidence that I have had yet, that my efforts to connect with people one-on-one, because we walked away from that event and we had $1,500 donated in total for the weekend, which, of course, I need... $100,000. However, um, that paid for bills that we had this week. 
That's awesome. You know? That's great. So, so that was enough. And um, being a Christian, I truly trust that the Lord gives me what I need for today. When you need it. Yeah. yeah. And so um, that was wonderful. And then the other thing, I have to give a shout out to John and Mary Euler and Mike, nicknamed Terrible T, <laughs> because honestly, they they became part of our Girl Who Wore Freedom crew. So they are Vietnam veterans who came to this celebration, and they've come. I met Mike last year, but they just come to be there and sort of soak in this vibe. And when I talked to them about our story, they kept coming back. They would want to see the trailer again, or they would want to talk to us more. Or And once I, we did, once I talked with them and listened to them, they then went out and would bring people to my table. Hmm. They would go out in the community and brought people on Sunday. Um, Mary came and was helping us post up signs, and she stood at the door. And, I mean, she was amazing. And I think it began because I stopped and asked them their story. I wanted to hear about them and what they did genuinely. I didn't care what they could do for me. I wanted to know about them. And we bonded as people. And every person in that room, I looked and it was there. And I was like, I spent sometimes half an hour talking to the people that were there, each each one, because I was there for days. (laughs) And um, But... That, I thought about it later. Melissa and I were living out the mission of the film. We were doing that there with these veterans. And I think that is what made the difference. That's why they wanted to come and see the story and tell two friends. Um, And so the lesson for me is if you're an independent filmmaker and you are starting out, you got to roll up your sleeves. It is not just about getting money. It's about sharing your vision and your passion with people and asking them to come along on the journey. That's fantastic. Yeah. Speaking of journeys and uh, screenings, we were, before we were recording, you brought up uh, the Oscars. I did. <laughs> I did. Now, I assume this whole time you had a game plan mapped out from day one how to submit and qualify for the Oscars. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Well, maybe not day one. I mean, I think when I was a child, I imagined myself up there with my statuette, you know, giving my acceptance speech. I've actually imagined that a lot. Like, what would I say if I ever had to have an acceptance speech? I've had that fantasy, yeah. (laughs) But I never thought about that in terms of this film. Well, I I guess I can't say that. I, I think when I first did it originally, and Bill and I watched it. We were like, oh, my gosh, this is really good. <laughs> and then Bill's dad, who knows his stuff, was like, this is unbelievable. And so I, then I was like, hmm, maybe it is good. <laughs> and so – but then I quickly dismissed it. I'm like, oh, that's absurd. You know, I'll be lucky if this ever gets anywhere. And so I didn't really think about it until my friend Sandy Gordon watched it. and was like, Christian, you need to submit this for the Oscars. I'm like, stop it. You don't even know. And she's like, no, seriously, you need to do that. And I was like, I don't even know how to do that. And she's like, so then the, like, the next day she sent me the rules. She's like, read the rules. <laughs> and so I did. I read like, a, a, I, I guess I just refused to really buy in, honestly. I did read the first few rules and then I stopped, which was you have to have a one week theatrical release in LA and another week, you know, theatrical release in New York. 
But however, I started thinking, I've gotten this far. I've raised $100,000. I've made this film yeah. so far. Why not? You know, I, it could be possible. Can you uh, submit multiple times? Like, let's say, for some reason, they said no this time. Could you do it again? Well, I, th- I haven't read all the rules all the way through. I'm learning. This is a work in progress. However, I have been learning that your release date is an important thing. And mm-hmm. so like when you apply to festivals, your film has to be made in a certain time. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, there's this whole timeline of events. I can't make something now, begin to show it, and a year later, you know, submit to the Oscars. I don't think. I just need to read more deeply sure. into that. If somebody knows any sort of festival or award strategy, please email me and <laughs> let me know. Uh, I'll let you take over this department. Um, so, so I don't know. I need to dig into that a little bit more deeply, I think, because now I'm kind of curious. Now, I will know this. I, I did discover this this week. I talked to a distributor. This is the second distributor I've spoken with about the subtitling problem. You know, is it going to be a difficult movie to sell if it's not overdubbed? And the answer to that was yes mm. this week. Mm. So if I want it to be marketable for mainstream media um, – I'm going to need to have it overdubbed. Americans don't want to read. That's why they, they go to the movies. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's true. No, it's true. And, and you know, interestingly enough, at this screening on Sunday, I had an elderly person say to me, the reading was very difficult. My eyes were watering. It started burning. It was just very hard for me. Oh, wow. Okay. And I think that you just have to give people the option. You sure. know, oh, yeah, because yeah. I yeah. will talk to people who totally want the subtitles because right. it makes it easier for them to understand what people are saying. Maybe their hearing isn't as great. Um, I've talked to people who said, don't overdub because we love hearing the French. Right. I've talked to other people that said, we don't want to hear the French. We, we don't want to read. We just want it to be. So um, I think I have to shoot for the I think for sure we're going to have to have it overdubbed and have it subtitled to give people the choice so uh, that's another budget item on my list another to do <laughs> yes alright well on that note why don't we wrap up and uh, again there's always screenings going on you can check those out and uh, normandystories.com slash screenings well thanks everyone for listening to Documentary First where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we really would appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about the girl who wore freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email, and sign up for our newsletter at Normandy Store. Please go to normandystories.com slash donate to make a donation today.